With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, our next guest coming on is my good friend and colleague. He's up and coming all over the place. He does a lot of different sports. Mike Monaco, ESPN with the Red Sox. I mean, I can keep going, Mike. You want to keep going, brother? Yeah, what else you got on the resume? Hard to say, Todd, how I could add to that just glowing intro. Um, I certainly don't have you beat in terms of setting or backdrop. Uh, Yes, I'm doing this from my car. And talk to me about your microphone, man. That's pretty big league right there. Hey, this is this is what happens when when you're big time like me. You got to get the best mics possible. So, I give our producers of them credit, man. So, let me ask you this: How you doing? First and foremost, talk to us about where you're at right now, what you're doing. Let the people know. Like, you're all over the place, man. You're all over the map. I love watching and love listening to you. So, what is on next on the agenda for you? Spring training, hopefully coming up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so for anyone who, who doesn't know, I'm a broadcaster with ESPN and then do some uh, fill-in work with the Red Sox on Nesson as well. So right now, uh, in the thick of a bunch of different sports, college basketball and NHL for the most part. But now that we've hit February, I mean, you guys live and breathe this stuff, and, and I do too, but now really starting to get excited for baseball. Um, and at ESPN, fortunate to cover baseball is – High as the major leagues, you and I were doing the the wild card round together. You had to slum it with me uh, down in St. Pete. Uh, but college baseball, Little League World Series, um, it's a ton of fun. So right now, uh, getting ready for some college hoops this weekend down at Louisville. Had a game at Boston College earlier this week. And then next week, going to Vegas for NHL, uh, coming out of the All-Star break. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun life and, and on the road a lot. Mike, let's let's be serious. What happened? Why you were supposed to? You were the favorite to be the White Sox play-by-play guy. <laughs> what happened? Uh, I'm sorry if I disappointed you, AJ, of all people. <laughs> but uh, no, the the White Sox, man, they they treated me well. I had the opportunity to fill in there in 2021 uh, and in 2023 for a few games as well for the great Jason Benetti. And uh, yeah, he's a just, trader. We uh, don't talk about him. We don't know. We love Jason. He's out. I like that. I, I'm going to give him a hard time for that as well. Um, but no, just, uh, you know, I'm excited about John Triffin. I think he's an awesome announcer, a ton of, ton of energy and versatility and has already had a, a great career. And I think uh, a huge upside to him, but uh, yeah, the White Sox, I mean, what I will say about them is just amazing people and have treated me really, really well uh, in the times I've, I've dealt with them. Okay, so John took over. He he did slam ball. So what's the best thing you've done? Log. I saw you did log rolling once. So I mean, is there anything that can beat slam ball? <laughs> you know, I've done uh, boxing, which I, w- I would love to see Todd get involved with some of that. No. Um, fencing, <laughs> gymnastics. Uh, those are probably some of the tougher sports that I've done before. But I, I don't know if that's as cool as slam ball. Like I remember growing up watching slam ball. What was it on Spike? Like. 
that to when you're growing up as a kid watching that, like it looks like the coolest thing ever and something that you want to have in your in your backyard. Um, but no, I don't have anything like super eccentric um, at ESPN. I think it's like once a year we do, you know, the Ocho and they do do a bunch of random stuff like that. Like electricians stuff is somehow turned into a sport. Um, I think I got to diversify the portfolio a little bit and get something totally zany. Mike, I can relate. So first off, I was a ma- I mentioned this the other day, massive slam ball fan on Spike growing right. up. I was hooked. I was into it. I had reached out, you know, years back trying to see if it was going to come back and I wanted to be a part of it, whatever. Right. That was like one of my dreams. I love it because I was a basketball player, but I do have something competitive. Okay. Back in my play by play days. Um, one of my first gigs was actually with ESPN radio. It was coming off an internship with them and they said, Hey, anyone want to cover a dumpling eating contest in New York city? I think it was like governor's Island, one of those spots. Right. I was all over it, obviously. I was like, literally, I would cover anything. I'd cover play-by-play at a doctor's <laughs> office if you want me to. So I went, I called in a couple times with updates, and that was one of the first things I did on radio. That's uh, We need more dumpling eating contests, right? <laughs> like, what, like Joey Chestnut's cool and all, and Kobayashi, he had a great career, and his prime was, was long-lived. But give me more dumplings, man. That's where it's at. Dude, that's what I do when I talk, you know, when you, I'm sure you've done it, talk to young broadcasters or you speak at a camp or a program. And when I give an example of, hey, take on anything early on, like don't be full of yourself and don't be like, oh, I only want to call basketball or football or baseball, whatever. Like take that dumpling eating contest role because someone's got to do it. That's an all timer. I'm a little like, I'm I'm, first of all, jealous because of the food, but like, I don't have as good of an answer as that. Like, gymnastics is mainstream enough and you know you got the olympics like you know there's no olympics when we're talking food of any kind uh and dumplings so yeah i gotta i gotta get a better answer than that (laughs) that's awesome i want i want to get into the red Sox a little bit while we have you um just seems like they haven't really done much you see any like blockbuster moves happening from them and how do you think they're going to steer in the al east here man they haven't really i mean They've got a couple pitch, I think Giolito, but you know, other than that, they don't have that many things going on for him. Verdugo is with the with the Yankees now. So talk to me about the Red Sox and the nature of them. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if they do in fact do anything else. And I mean, I listened to Ken Rosenthal on, on your guys' show and kind of what you guys got into with him about it. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like there's there's anything hot right now, and I'm not breaking any news with that. But there is room, you know, still to stay under the the CBT if they wanted to, and I think it's upwards of you know perhaps 30 million for the year that they could spend if they did in fact want to. So it's still open as a possibility. Um, it doesn't sound like there is anything imminent, um, and there's a lot to like about the core in the future. Certainly. But, uh, you know, those those top end prospects are, you know, a year or multiple years away, it would seem. Um, Now, that being said, there are a lot of pieces that I like individually on the team. I'm excited to see another year of an old teammate of yours, Todd, in in Tristan Casas um, from playing with Team USA. I'm excited to see what another year looks like for him. He has been through a full major league season before Um, a guy like Von Grissom, you know, getting a chance, you know, obviously was blocked in Atlanta, gets a chance. I'm excited about his bat. Um, You know, things like that, that I think they could outperform some of, you know, what the projections are at least publicly for them. And it wouldn't be surprising to me to see them put together, you know, maybe a better year than some of the projections, but 
like you said, I mean, the, the division is what the division is. Like I remember talking to Red Sox front office people in the past and they're saying, you know, we fully recognize that we are in the toughest division in sports, not just in baseball. Like that is the way it is in the AL East. And um, in the last year with what's happened with the Orioles, it's only gotten more challenging. Uh, it, that's just life in the ALE. So I think, yeah, it's going to be a, a tall task to to find your footing for any of the five teams in that division. That's the problem, Mike, is that if they were in, you know, say the AL Central, last year they would have been competing for a division title. And this year it would be the same case. The expectations are going to be significantly higher when you're in the AL East. They might, they win like 82 games, but okay, they were like a 500-ish team. And you're like, oh, they were in last because of what they're dealing with. So my question for you is about the pitching, because I actually am fine with the lineup for the most part. They probably exceeded most people's expectations last year, and I think it'll be an even better looking lineup this coming season. I also really like Tyler O'Neill, the upside there of the acquisition. On the pitching side, because you got to watch them on a daily basis there, where is the hope in your mind that the pitching will be better, aside from just saying, oh, Breslow and Bailey are there? Because to me, that's more of a long-term play, but it's really sale gone, Giolito added, not much else. They might even still trade Kenley Jansen. So can you paint a picture where you say, if everything works out right, this is why they competed for a wild card spot? First of all, obviously a fan of the program. So on the Tyler O'Neill front, can we talk about his dad being 5'11", 250, 255, and body fat at at 5%? Like, that is insane and stopped me dead in my tracks when I heard that. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, pitching-wise – I think the best case scenario to your question, Scott, of of how it all breaks properly, because, yeah, like you subtracted sale, you added Giolito and, you know, a bounce back season is is certainly, you know, conceivable for him, especially from the second half and, and what he dealt with personally in the second half of the season. But I think you're hoping that Josh Winkowski takes a step. You're hoping that Tanner Houck takes a step. You're hoping for health, first and foremost, for Garrett Whitlock. And it's going to be really interesting to see role for all three of those guys who all three of them have been in different roles in their time. And there's been a lot of discourse, certainly as it relates just to Garrett Whitlock on what the best role is for him. Um, but if you are stretching all three guys out and if you do get length from them, um, that'll be, you know, one avenue for, for how things could outperform, you know, what it looks like right now. And obviously what last year was in terms of pitching. The other thing I would say if you did like a blind resume test, I've had people in the Red Sox front office say this to me with Cutter Crawford. He might not have the same name value as other pitchers with similar experience in their major league career, but but his numbers are pretty impressive. And then the raw stuff has always been, you know, pretty sexy, like the fastball carry, the breaking ball. He has a, a really full arsenal of, of pitch mix. Um, so I think he's a guy that, you know, if he takes another step, like that's what the optimist would say on uh, on how pitching looks a little bit better if they're not going to go sign uh, a guy in their backyard in Montgomery. All right, Mike, there's Tyler O'Neill's dad, by the way. Just... <laughs> That's how you're 5'11", 250. You look like that. Yo, Mike, I, it's like what, what body parts even focus on the most there, like the, the thighs or the six-pack or – jeez. That's hey, insane. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, six is totally underselling that. He's offended. Hey, Todd and oh, I have man. a cake, okay? Yeah, <laughs> hey, are we doing any push-up contests or what? <laughs> no, oh. that was when he won Mr. Canada, I believe. So yeah, and then runner-up, right. I heard a few times, right? 
Yeah, he's he's pretty, and he has a great mustache too, which is even better. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing the Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All right, so Mike, I got, this is all I'm going to say. 79 and a half is the number for the Red Sox. Over or under? I'd go over. Uh, I'm an optimist by trade. Uh, I mean, you're like me picking around. the White Sox to make the playoffs last year. You're that big yeah, of an optimist. He's, he's a homer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, call, call me a homer. Um, but no, I, I do think, and they've dealt with some pretty bad injury luck. Like that's not a biased answer in saying that over the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, give me give me a surprising over. Uh, I'm with Scott. Like I like the offensive pieces. Um, Yoshida wore down a little bit, maybe toward the end of last year, but if he's DHing more, presumably, um, that's less of a concern. And obviously just a second season in the States, you would expect more comfort. I mean, it was a really big difference for him, even with things as simple as travel, like changing time zones was not something that he dealt with in Japan. Um, so I like him. Jaron Duran obviously had a breakout last year. Uh, if a Brayu can be anything close to what he was down the stretch last year in admittedly a small sample size. That's a piece to really like. Um, I think, you know, I think one kind of variable wild card in all of this is does Raphael Devers find another level to get to, right? Like he's paid as a 300 plus million dollar player and, you know, can he get to that 900, 950 OPS level regularly um you know maybe there's still something untapped there uh but yeah give me the over Let, let's talk about some health maybe there's another surprise signing in there and uh yeah we'll smash the over my last one with the red Sox. you talk about a couple guys uh devers to name one uh, the guy like justin turner who's not there anymore who would who in your opinion is the leader in that clubhouse uh, who who's the guy that they're going to lean on and going to talk to when struggles do arise. Like, hey, who's the guy that's going to be like, hey, man, let's have this meeting. Let's go over something. Let's get back on the saddle here and let's let's start getting some wins. So who's going to be that guy this year? Yeah, I think Kenley is is a leader by what he's done and, you know, now year two for him. Um, but I don't think you can discount just how much change the clubhouse for the Red Sox has underwent in the last few years. I mean, you think about losing Xander, obviously a second year without him, and he was the guy – so respected by everyone on that team and everyone on that staff and in the organization. Um, and then Kike, like Kike was at the crux of just the personality of that team. And then Turner in very short order to your point, Todd, like talking to his teammates about the way he was and what they learned from him last year never ceased to amaze me. Like I remember talking with Rob Ref Snyder about it. Um, I don't know if you could have made more of an impact not in terms of on-field results in one year in a market like that in a bigger way than what Justin Turner did. So I think it's a little bit TBD in terms of, you know, where the leadership comes from and just who assumes that mantle of, of kind of being the alpha in the clubhouse. Mike, what's the pulse of fans right now? Obviously the full throttle comment pissed people off because they have not been full throttle and they backtracked on that statement. But what do you think is the number one complaint right now, just overall from Red Sox fans? And hey, let's be real. The expectations are high. 
I, I'm always good with that. It's just like you have to be careful with a fan base because if you tell them something and then you don't go that way, especially in Boston, they're going to hold you to it. And there's probably going to be, I don't know, 10,000 full throttle shirts for opening day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely frustration. And for probably the most ardent fans, it's something stronger than that, right? Like they have wanted to see spending, um, you know, for, for a few cycles now in terms of off seasons and even in season moves. I think what's a little bit different right now is that the comments that were made after the full throttle comments, you know, about where payroll probably or, or possibly might be this year, that was something that that wasn't really said publicly in the past. So in some ways it it is, you know, more in line with with delivering a message to a fan base. But I think there is still like any fan base, like you want the best players, you you want the best moves that that you know the hot stove gets talking and, and you want to be active right like especially when you hear about jordan montgomery being right here all off season with his connections with his wife um you get excited about that and yamamoto like people wanted him as much as any recent free agent that red sox fans were excited about that i can remember um so yeah it's it's frustration and you know a desire to spend um I think if I were to to say what the the pulse of the fans is, doesn't mean that they're not going to make a move. Still, uh, doesn't mean that they can't have a great season. But that's kind of the lay of the land, I would say. I like it. Okay, so got a broadcaster question for you because I'm sure you're friends with Kevin Brown, Orioles play by play, right? I mean, yes. Very nice dude in the industry. You guys have probably had some some times where you've seen each other. Or, or hung out, whatever it is, right? So we all remember last year, and I think all broadcasters kind of banded together last year when the mm-hmm. suspension went down from Masson. So is this a great day in broadcaster history because Masson is actually being sold? That means John Angelos is no longer going to be president of that company. And you know, I mean, it's tough enough to call a game, okay, and to deliver the way that you want to to fans. And yes, you have to speak in a certain way when you're representing a team. But when you can't even say something as simple as the Rays took it to the Orioles for a few years, just a fact, it's got to get in your head. I mean, I know if I was broadcasting and I got to that level, like, sure, I worked for the league. I had to do all kinds of things and, and you had to talk differently. But but if I then thought, wait, can I even say that a team struggled against another team? That would screw with my head beyond belief. I'd probably lose my shit and have you know a, a verbal issue or whatever. This is probably where I am now for a reason. Anyway, do you think this is a great day in broadcasting history? Because that was one of the more poisonous situations in baseball broadcasting. Uh, I'll say this. I'm not here to dance on anyone's grave. But I will say that when it happened, I, like many other people, reached out to Kevin, who, yeah, is a friend of mine. We were in AAA together at the same time calling games um, to to voice your support for him. And, yeah, I think everyone knows by now, like, he was trying to frame it in a positive light as well for how the Orioles were doing compared to recent series history and something that was in the game notes and that he said. Um, what I'll say about Kevin is, yeah, he is one of the most talented broadcasters that we have, I think, in in all of Major League Baseball. And he's incredibly versatile at other sports as well. Someone that I look up to um, and have for a while. Um, so Orioles fans, I think it's the perfect combination of how good your team is with how entertaining your broadcast booth is at the same time. Because him and Big Ben 
talking about song lyrics last year still makes me laugh and something I check in on like, you know, maybe once every couple of months for a laugh where Kevin has to teach uh, Ben on the Bayou some some music. And then you throw in Jim Palmer as well. And uh, you get a really good three <laughs> three member booth when they're all together. So, uh, yeah, Kevin's Kevin's one of the really good ones. I want to ask you this. You've been doing it for some time now, um, hosting, broadcasting, top analyst, whatever you call it. I want to ask you, out of all the things you've done so far, can you name like your favorite call that you've ever done before? And whether it's basketball, baseball, do you have like one time where it's like, oh, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. That was such a cool moment. Is it us in 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 Williamsport with a <laughs> no, I, I was, out go was, ahead home run? <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. I think I have I, I think I have something along those lines. If we can we we can show something. I was Stryker hoping you'd say ball, that. We don't know. Three two in the air, center field. Contreras to the wall. I do not believe it. Actually, I do. Holy cow! <laughs> I, that would have to be your greatest call ever, I would assume, right? <laughs> you know what? In all seriousness, I'm not just pandering to you. Like that is honestly one of my favorite like moments shared with a friend in a booth. And Me like too. the energy of the Little League World Series, I say this to anyone who asks. Like of all the things I'm very fortunate to do, there is nothing I enjoy more every year than the Little League World Series. And uh, the, I think the the funniest like behind the scenes story of that call and us in the booth is Tim Kirchin's reaction to your analysis <laughs> on that call. One. Like he good. walked in the next day and he's like imitating you. And he's like, Hey, big dog. I, I don't believe what I saw. There have been crazier things that happened. And he's doing like some sort of New York, New Jersey accent for you, uh, but piling on. Yeah, that was insane. Uh, but witnessing your bromance with Tim Kirkjian firsthand at the Little yeah. League World Series and watching that grow uh, was something special. And you guys would just kind of spend a lot of time developing your chirps back and forth. And I would look over at Tim's notepad <laughs> while we were doing a game, and he would have written down in like size 35 font what he was going to say when your name came up to make fun of you so that he remembered oh it and it often started it often started with hey big dog hey big dog yes he well i've i've fallen in love with that guy man he's the best i copied every move he did bro and it was the best thing i've ever done so i appreciate you saying that was your best moment so far thank you i like that hey i'm, I'm with you too mike i mean for me, when I've been asked about like my favorite moment, either calling games or just being at games, working and broadcasting, World Baseball Classic for me, and not this past one, I wasn't at that one, the one before that, I called a lot of it, was the best broadcasting experience I ever had. And I did international for World Series, and, and the mm-hmm. WBC was better. It was, I mean, my top moment, I think it was USA versus Dominican Republic, WBC in Miami, and I'm a Miami guy. So you're in that park, and it's usually empty, and it's full, and it's freaking nuts, and it's like World Cup atmosphere. I was like, this is the best. This is insane. We need to promote more of this. So, I mean, you get that on the Little League level, too. It's just different. That's why it's easy to see why players will say, eh, I don't even need to make any money. I just want to play for my country and do a tournament for a couple weeks, and Mike Trout's having the time of his life. Yeah, like the energy that that comes out of that, like it's why I enjoy tuning in to watch that event. I think it's why so many baseball fans resonated with it um, last time around. And 
Yeah, like the Little League World Series, I've now been lucky to do it for three years, and it got more normal this past year, the last two years, but really this past year, kind of getting back to full capacity, fans, international teams, all of that. And uh, like the stories we learn from around the world are incredible. Like Todd and I would be talking through a Taiwanese translator to a 12-year-old kid who's bigger than me, and he's throwing 83 miles an hour. Like that is nuts. And but it was so cool to to sp- speak to this kid through a translator on a human level and hear about his upbringing and how um you know he he wasn't raised living a a lavish life and um he was taught how to pitch through a, a guy who now works for the Padres and this kid Fan Chun Jun is the pitcher and he goes out in the Little League World Series and he's blowing 81 in his first start. And the Padres then went to this guy who works in Asia scouting for them and said, hey, have you heard of this 12-year-old uh, who we just saw at the Little League World Series? And the Padres employee is like, yeah, like I taught this kid his slider. So you just learn stories like that from around the world in that setting. And it doesn't even have to be the kind of the top performers. Like, you know, Todd would be down there talking to whoever it is, filling up his notebook. And Tim Kirkton would be standing basically on the foul line uh, watching infield outfield being taken place. Um, it, it's a pure, <laughs> pure event. Same reason I love doing the college world series. Um, obviously different, but the, the way fan bases turn out for that and descend into the middle of the country in, in Omaha, Nebraska, um, same reason, like it, it's, it's a purity. It's why we all fell in love with this sport and not to sound too hokey, but uh, like that's that's the good stuff. And I think you really appreciate it more when you've been around it at the major league level and at the highest level and and kind of take a step back and just remember about the game in general. All right, Mike, you said your greatest call was with Todd, but you know what could have been your greatest call? A Friday night, Oof. Cubs-White Sox, you know, walk-off <laughs> homer by Eloy Jimenez. You're just like, the White Sox beat the Cubs! Oh, my gosh! And you throw it to Steve. Steve Stone is over there like the Stone Ponies. Like, that was a loopy breaking ball that he always says. You could have been like, yes, go White Sox for like the next 30 years. But Uh, nope, you enjoy the Little League World Series. (laughs) I would have absolutely loved doing that. I really would have. Um, Stoney, like, you want to talk about a guy who's been doing it for a long time and hasn't lost a step at all? Stoney's a legend. And uh, we've had some fun times in the booth. Um, the first year I filled in with him, it was like my third game working with him. My first home game though, at guaranteed rate field. And I'm all excited. And, you know, I've done major league games before, but this happened out of the blue. Benetti got COVID. They asked me to fill in, show up to the ballpark. And I realized, oh shit, I forgot my belt. And so I had to call Stoney and be like, Hey man, like, I know you don't really know me. This is crazy. But like, have you left home yet? Do you happen to have an extra belt? And, uh, sure enough, he brought one like any good teammate in the broadcast booth. Um, but yeah, he let me hear that for a while. Uh, we have dodged foul balls together in, in the broadcast booth, which is always entertaining. He literally almost got decapitated uh, by a comebacker that was foul uh, back to the booth that was foul uh, in like August this year. And it smoked the monitor behind him. So I've had many good times with Steve Stone and he is literally one of the best to have done it and is still doing it. You might not take this advice, but if you wear really tight pants, you don't have to wear a belt. It's been my thing lately. I don't know if that means anything to you. These guys, I'm sure, will have a field day with the advice. Oh, my God. You got to untuck in that case, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm an, I'm not a yeah. tucking guy with basically 
Okay. Any kind of shirts these days, but but really? the tight pants. Yeah. I, I I'm not Scooter, Walter Bueller status, I see but you as a tucking. You see me as a tucking? No. Yeah, I, I, anything. I see you in anything. To be honest, you can do I, both. I can pull it off. I appreciate that, but I'm not, I'm not the prep boy kind of thing. It's it's more of the but the, it's the tight pants, the tight shirt, just like you guys like to make fun of me for. But I do have one more. Lululemon. Listen, Lululemon now makes some pants with elastic waist that look just like their ABC pants. They are the greatest thing ever. So we'll do a game in. Listen, I mean, I don't know what they do in Red Sox Nation, but you know, when we do Fox games, you never see, you never see from no. like here down. So listen, I've done games in shorts, I've done games in flip flops. Adam Amin, I love him. Does games in jeans all the time. It is the only thing we've ever gotten in trouble for was one time we did a game without a tie, and before we got through the open, everyone's phone was ringing. Who said they could do the game without a tie? I don't think they could do it. And it was like, oh, sorry, oops. But other than that, I mean, you can wear whatever you want below the waist. <laughs> I'll give you a quick, quick story because Michael probably appreciate this because Mike, as you can tell, I've been dying to not wear suits for a long time. And so I was calling like the Facebook and YouTube games and all that. And we had quick combos and, and got rid of all that. Yeah. So we were dressing casual, but also back in my MLB network days, it was like two or three years ago. Um, they always talk about wanting to be younger at MLB as the league in general. Right. So I brought up in our like town hall meeting before the season started. I was like, do we have to wear ties for everything all the time? And you bring that up to your bosses in front of everyone else. And they're like, uh, I guess not. So then some of the shows started ditching ties. So, you know, I got a lot of, I made many new friends, uh, at least temporarily. Some of the older broadcasters like brought it back and were arguing that we should wear ties, but I at least was trying to lead the charge there. Cause I'm like, yo, it's sports. Do we have to wear ties all the time? Yeah, when when I first filled in on Red Sox games in 2019, it was suit and tie, like the whole deal. And at the time, like the the full time announcers, not me, Dave O'Brien, Jerry Remy, rest in peace, Dennis Eckersley, like they had a suit deal with this local, you know, outfitter Joseph Abood, who made really nice suits for them at the start of of every year. So I was kind of you know pumped for that. I thought, hey, even though I'm doing a small number of games, filling in for for OB, maybe I'll, you know, weasel my way into a nice custom suit. And of course they ended with that uh, right around the same time and, and with COVID and all. So now we do polo shirts a lot uh, with Red Sox stuff. And for a lot of our ESPN games too, like it's, it's just a polo. Um, and, you know, we, we have a lot of them in Williamsport at the Little League <laughs> World Series. So we're always trying to color coordinate, uh, you know, what the, the proper color. So we're all looking the same. Uh, but AJ, just back to Adam Amin, he's one of my biggest mentors and is obviously an incredible announcer. He's got the cardigan look down. I don't know if that's what it was. Oh, when yeah. Went, no tie. I, like, that is something I definitely cannot pull off. I'm trying to venture when I do NHL games into the turtleneck under, like, a blazer. So that's kind of as, as crazy as I'll get. But, um, Wait, yeah, I've say, never been on. confused. First of all, did you say Adam Amin is your mentor? Are you, You're surely not younger than Adam. Yes, he is. I, I'm, I'm younger than Adam. and He's very uh, young. He uh, so he was calling ESPN U Notre Dame softball when I was a student at Notre Dame, and he would let me come stand behind him in the broadcast booth of this, you know, pretty tiny college broadcast booth. Like it was a college softball stadium and really nice, but like it's not some massive press box with a ton of space that's used to having national TV. And I would just be looking over his shoulder, like asking him why something was highlighted in yellow or orange. Um, so, yeah, he's been a, a really good mentor and resource to me. Yeah, AJ, wow. there's a differential there. My guess is Adam is 37. 
And my guess is Mike is 28. I appreciate anyone who guesses <laughs> under my age now. I am 30. I am washed up. I'm a bag of bones, as last year's men's league pickup basketball reminded me. Um, yeah, I would say that's accurate. I don't know exactly how old Adam is, but I think of him as I think he's about 37. Uh, a, a broadcasting yes. generation older. You know what yeah. he pulls off now? He pulls off the cardigan with the tie. So he yeah. goes cardigan. Watch him on an NFL game. He'll go cardigan sweater, and then he'll pull the tie off. And I'm just like, and then. And so, like he and he also what he also does great. So, like if we do a game in Minnesota, he'll wear a Prince T-shirt, right? So he's walking around. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, look at me in my Purple Rain shirt, yeah. right?" Smart move. Or then we, whatever city we go into, he'll have a shirt that like matches the city. So when we go into the locker room, you know, like we're in Minnesota. Rocco's like, "Oh, you're a big Prince fan." Oh yeah, yeah, me. I'm grateful. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know all about. Like he does it in every city, so every manager's like, "Oh, look at you. You know about so and so." And it's just like he pulls it off perfectly all the time. And then just gets like dressed into whatever he's actually wearing, like in the booth right before the open, or what? Yeah, so we we do it a little different at Fox and maybe at ESPN. We wear like a golf shirt or whatever you want before when you do the meetings, and then you know ten minutes before we're about to do like rehearsal, rehearsal. Everybody, hurry up and get dressed. So everyone's scrambling, <laughs> throwing on their tie real quick, and then they're like, okay, we're on in two minutes, and everyone's like, literally, what was my makeup? How's my tie? Okay, let's go, yeah. boys. All right, let's go. Yeah. Oh, and don't even get me started on makeup like that. That's that's a whole new world, even though I've been doing it a little while in this industry broadcasting, like getting used to that is is not super war common paint. for me. War still. paint. We call yeah. it war paint. Strap sure. in, lather that's it on. Right. Let's go. Time to go. Time, we're time to go to work. Let's go. It's fun when, when a player retires and then you work with him, because I had that one year. I mean, a few years, actually, where when, when we first started calling Facebook games, then it turned into YouTube eventually too. We would have a different broadcast team every week. And it was often like a dude fresh off the field. And when they learned about makeup, they, you know, you'd yeah. often get like the, I don't want it. And they're like, that's cool. But like, you're just going to look terrible because it's just yeah. going to shine off your face. They're like, it's just what we do. So it's fun to see like the macho, like, oh, I don't wear makeup. I, I just pitched <laughs> in the big leagues. And they're like, great, but your family's going to say you look like shit. So can you just listen to us and take a drop of powder? Yeah, Todd and I were doing uh, ESPN radio for the wild card series Rangers race. So like we had it so nice. We we just like Perfect. we could literally wear whatever we wanted after the first day. Todd was like, yo, no chance I'm wearing long sleeves for game two of this series. He went short <laughs> sleeves and like one booth down, you know, Sean McDonough, Tim Kirchin, Jess Mendoza, Coley Harvey was was down on the field reporting like they're just sweltering inside the trop. Uh, in early October in suits and we were just, you know, chilling, wearing whatever we wanted on radio and definitely not wearing makeup. Yep. There you go. Sean McDonough, he's he's a character, bro. He's a witty little yeah. son of a gun, bro. He's got some I didn't know he was he's a funny Oh hell yeah. Guy. He's got personality. And Todd, oh. he calls he calls some Red Sox for radio. And remember he was the one, or at least I think the first one that was like calling out the Rays attendance yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you where can't I'm like oh that. We were like, oh, shit. We saw him after the game. We're at the bar, and we're like, bro, you are you got some cojones. I love every second about that guy. Yeah, and we had been in the, the meeting with Kevin Cash. We were in there, like, TV and radio together um, for the meetings that AJ is talking about. And the topic of attendance had come up, and, and Kevin Cash had very deftly 
sidestepped uh, in answer to that one as he's trained to do. And uh, yeah, still, it was a, a notable quote that came up uh, during those telecasts. <laughs> it was well played. Well, Mike, we appreciate the extended time and hadn't had you on before. So it was great chit chat. And as you can see, we just kind of go wherever the hell we want to go, but give people a little peek behind the curtain of the baseball broadcasting world, right? Yeah, I'm a big fan of your guys' show in all seriousness and uh, of all three of you from afar. Todd, I know, but but just fans of, of Scott, you and AJ as well. So thanks for the invite. Sorry I'm in my car. Hopefully the quality was all right. But yeah, a right. pleasure, guys. I'll be watching. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate thanks, that. Thanks, right Mike. We could have got, got to know each other so well, but nope. We're better off. We're better off. better off. AJ, you got to watch more Red All right, Sox boys. Games. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Appreciate you, man. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.